exploring God's word. This is, I believe, maybe, Sister Stacy, the shortest lesson uh, of the entire, um, the entire uh, study. Amen. But we will, we will try to not just get through it. Amen. But we'll try to teach you something at the same time. Amen. Again, the purpose of this Bible study and the purpose of teaching this Bible study, as you know, maybe a few people were talking about in the office, I would say 99% of the people that are sitting here tonight have probably heard all of this, have heard it in, in a much more in-depth level than what it will be taught here tonight and, and maybe has been throughout this study, but that is kind of the purpose. Remember what I said a few weeks ago, that the purpose of this Bible study is, to, is for an introduction, it is not for an education, amen. We are not trying to give them a degree uh, in theology, amen, by teaching this Bible study. We are simply wanting and desiring to introduce people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we show them and introduce them from Genesis to Revelation, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, amen, and if we will follow the gospel truth, praise the Lord, as laid out in these scriptures, this holy book, amen, we can and will be saved, amen. That's the purpose of teaching a Bible study. You are trying to introduce the gospel to someone. There is probably, uh, uh, there are scores and scores of people out there that may not say they have an interest in the Bible or that they uh, and there's probably even more people that would say they don't need a man's salvation. We're kind of getting to that place in society where uh, we have excused away sin just about. And so some folks don't realize that they need saving. Amen. They've been told that they're just all right or they've got somebody to blame, everybody but themselves. Amen. So they need an introduction to the Word of God. And many times if you say, hey, would you be interested in a Bible study, they may even walk into this uh, with a, uh, a, a desire just to know something that they don't know. They may just want to be enlightened a little bit or discover something that they had never discovered before. And we get the opportunity as light bearers, as the salt of the earth, amen, to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's what's awesome about a Bible study, amen. You have those moments where someone is sitting there, amen, and they may not uh, understand Greek and Hebrew, and I don't either. They may not understand all of those things. They may not have a desire to understand those things. But when you begin to show them that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the very foundations of the earth, amen, that from the very beginning... God desired, amen, to not just lay out a plan, but to give you a plan where you can succeed and I can succeed, amen, in knowing him better and making it one day with him to glory, amen. That's the purpose. We want an introduction, not an education. So some of this you may kind of raise an eyebrow and say, well, that's really simplified. That's, uh, uh, we left out a lot of detail in there. Well, that's kind of what the purpose is. We want to get them through and say, congratulations, you just went through the whole Bible, amen. And you, you saw that salvation is for you. It's also an opportunity. Why do we teach Bible study? Why do I teach one? Why does Stacy teach one and others? Amen. The reason we do this is because it's an opportunity to set a good, firm foundation in that, if you'll allow me to use the phrase, in that new convert, if you will. If that person is new to the Word of God, if they are new to the church, amen, this gives you an opportunity, amen, to introduce them to things 
that they, they can get in too slowly rather than to have them have it hit them between the eyes, amen, right here or, or wherever they may be, amen, in a service, praise God. So it's an opportunity to lay a good foundation. With Brother Steve back there, I, I immediately recognized that he had a personality that one day he was going to want to do this too. Now, not everybody, amen, is going to... Uh, jump into this with both feet, amen, but I realized right from the bat that Brother Steve would, and so from the very beginning, I mean from lesson one, Brother Steve, I have said across that table, one day you're going to be on this side of the table, and somebody's going to be looking at you while you teach them the word of God, and he just not knowing any better, just nodded his head, amen, and, and here we are, he's already been here on a Wednesday night, and has taught a Bible study lesson from this pulpit on baptism in Jesus' name, why is that? It wasn't because we gave this big in-depth theological study and he can walk away from it with a scholar, a scholarship in Greek and Hebrew, amen. He was just introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen, and the excitement that is in salvation, praise God, and in the truth, amen. And so when he grabbed a hold of that, praise God, we're believing, amen. And I, I believe that there will be others and that there are others, amen, that are teaching Bible studies. And this is why we do it, amen. This is why pastor has had the vision, amen, to not just teach this Bible study. I hope you're not just sitting there saying, well, we're getting a kindergarten lesson Bible study. I hope what you are seeing is how easy it is to walk through this. There will be times that I will read word for word what this is saying in a paragraph, not because I I don't know any better, not because I've never taught this before, but I want you to see you can literally uh, 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 be, be new to this or unfamiliar with it somewhat, and you can get some, you can get through a Bible study and teach someone, amen, the truth of God, amen. We're going to start tonight the New Testament church, amen. There is a purpose, praise the Lord, to Obviously, uh, I shouldn't say a purpose, but one of the purposes of the book of Acts, amen, is that it is the history book. And we left recently, amen, where the Holy Ghost has been poured out. And we talked about the power that is in the Holy Ghost, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost, amen, all of those things. Now we are just, just after that, just after the Holy Ghost has been poured out, amen, and we are starting to realize and get into what is going to be the New Testament church, amen. Can I just say to you real quick that if you don't know this, that the book of Acts records the history of the first church, amen. It was the first had the first preacher, the first lesson, the first message, amen. And you want I know that we want to go back and say the other, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus was preaching. I, I'm, not, I'm not degrading any of those things. I'm talking about when the church was born. This is the birth of the first church, amen, is what we're studying right now in Acts. If you go to, uh, and I think that this is important to point out, if you go to a Lutheran church, a Baptist church, a Catholic church, Presbyterian church, amen, just, just about any other Christian church, if you will. Uh, I'm not talking about any of the other um, churches. We'll just put it that way. But if, if you go to a quote-unquote Christian church, they will tell you that when the Holy Ghost was poured out in the book of Acts, that was the first church. They will not argue that with you. In fact, we were at a funeral uh, many, many years ago where the priest that was, that was doing that funeral mentioned 
that the church was born in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, amen, and verse 38, that when, that, when the Holy Ghost, or in Acts chapter 2, in the first few verses, when the Holy Ghost was first poured out, that that was the first church. And the first message preached was this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That was the first message, amen. So now we are getting past that. No one will argue that with you. The church has been born. And now we're going to talk about what was that New Testament church like? What was it like, amen? Well, the Bible tells us, amen, that they would fellowship, praise God. The new believers desired to be taught the word of God by the apostles. And everyone, amen, was committed to his life, uh, had to committed his life to Jesus Christ. And they had desired and determined themselves to teach the word of God, amen. This word of God that would give everyone a foundation. They desired, praise God, that everyone would know it, that everyone would live by it, amen. Every believer needs faith, amen. Faith comes by the word of God. Can I get an amen? They would fellowship, praise God, with the church. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. If my Bible will turn there. I'm using my iPad for the first time. You can congratulate me later to read from up here. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They fellowshiped one with another. Amen. They all believed and they all stayed Together, They believed in that unity, amen. They believed that there was power in their togetherness, amen. And so they fellowshiped with one another. They didn't just receive this gospel message and then go off on their own merry way, amen. They stayed together, praise God. They fellowshiped with one another. And the Bible says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ. And John then tells us in verse 7, we have fellowship with one another. Say togetherness. That word fellowship means togetherness. Amen. They broke bread from house to house. As I read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Amen. That they broke bread and the lay ministry would serve and they would teach the gospel. Amen. From house to house. Amen. And they would witness. And, and if you will, using verbiage from John the Baptist, they would prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. And they would try to introduce this gospel to every new believer, all of the lay people. Amen. It wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just the disciples. Amen. The Bible tells us that the fellowship of the new uh, Testament church went house to house. That means everyone went house to house. Amen. Now, whenever they started numbering in the thousands and the ten thousands and all of that, obviously they could not take ten thousand to Brother Miller's house. He could fit about ninety five hundred in his house, but not quite ten thousand folks. Amen. But they they would they would go from house to house with one another and make sure that they were staying together. Amen. That they were fellowshipping. Praise God. Prayer, amen, after the, Holy, after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the church kept praying. They understood that it was a prayer meeting that got them together. They understood that it was praying and seeking and waiting on God, amen, that gave them, hallelujah, favor with all the people. And the Bible tells us that because of that prayer and that fellowship, that the church was added to daily. Say daily, amen. That means every day somebody heard the message. Now I know we're talking about 
Some of these things that we'll talk about, you'll kind of scratch your head and think, well, I mean, how come we don't do that now? Or how come we don't see that now? Amen. How come we don't? We do. It's just on a different scale. And maybe I'll try to, maybe I'll try to mention a few of those things as we go along. Amen. Why don't we fellowship from house to house? Why don't we stay with that togetherness? Amen. Well, we could argue that we have a different culture, that we are obviously in a different time. I mean, there are, there are hundreds of thousands and millions of Pentecostals and others, amen, that believe the, the apostolic doctrine it would be impossible so we go from Wednesday to Sunday morning to Sunday night amen and we we stay in the house of the Lord during those days and we and those of us that come at prayer meeting night amen we come and we pray and we're together and we're fellowshipping amen now here in America we've made it a little bit different where we fellowship at the restaurants praise God and then we we just pack on a few extra pounds and that's okay too we need a little extra prayer right amen so because of their togetherness, amen, because they were actively breaking bread, because they were continuing in prayer, and I love the verbiage earlier, amen, in Scripture where it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, amen. We are never commanded to do anything other than to stay steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, amen. Our opinions don't matter. Our, our feelings don't matter, amen. It's the apostles' doctrine. That's why we're apostolic, amen. That's why God gave us an instruction book. The first miracle took place, amen, in the church, and that's in Acts chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read all of those scriptures to you. You know that story, amen. Again, we're going to give you just an introduction. But the, the disciples were headed to the temple that day, amen. And as they were headed there, there was a lame man that sat by the gate beautiful, and he was asking of alms, and you know the story. Peter looked down at him, and Peter said, Gold and silver have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. Rise, amen, in the name of Jesus Christ, and walk, hallelujah. And it was that was the first miracle, amen, after the Holy Ghost had first been poured out, amen. That was the first miracle that took place that was at least, at least that was documented in the first church, amen, other than the miracle of salvation. Praise God. This was the first physical miracle at the gate beautiful that day. And watch what that did. That man ran into the temple and he was leaping and jumping and dancing and he was telling everybody what had happened to him. And watch this. This is what's even more important. These were folks that begin to scratch their head and they begin to remember there's no way that this is a hoax because this man's been sitting by this gate for years and years and years. Nobody could put on that long amen just to fool us on this day and so he began to say that it was amen by the power of Jesus Christ and Peter amen got the opportunity because of this miracle he was given an opportunity to preach his second sermon amen from after the day of Pentecost Peter steps up again and he begins to tell them this man was not healed by any other name but by the name of Jesus Christ that one that you crucified that one that you hung on a cross this is the name that we have used and there is no other name amen given among men under heaven by which we must be saved amen Peter began to preach to them and because he was preaching to them his second sermon the Bible tells us that nearly 3,000 souls were added to the church isn't that awesome 
It's awesome to see that the church was at work and the church was active, amen. They didn't just get the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and walk out there in the street and and get accused of being drunk and those types of things and explain and then have the Holy Ghost fall again, amen. They didn't just retreat to their homes and, and keep to themselves, amen. They began to teach, if you'll allow me, amen, for the, for the purpose of tonight, they began to teach those Bible studies, amen. Can I point out to you that a Bible study may not be 6, 8, 10, 12 weeks? Brother Mark, I've taught some one-lesson Bible studies, amen, on my job site. Brother Kozar, you've taught some one-lesson. Maybe you get another chance, you teach a two-lesson, amen. But you, we've taught those single-moment, God-moment Bible studies where you get the opportunity to say, you know what, you need healing. Well, one time I was sick, I was hurting, I was without, and the Lord came through for me, amen. And we begin to tell them our testimony and compel them, amen, by the word of our testimony. Those are, those are opportunities where you are teaching God's word. You're doing what Peter did. You're doing what Peter did on that day when he stood there with that lame man and that testimony, amen. That wasn't Peter's work. He didn't do that in Peter's name. They, If they would have rejected that miracle, they wouldn't have been rejecting Peter, amen. That's why I want to point out to you tonight, when you teach a Bible study, when you are teaching God's word, when you are telling somebody your testimony, when you are compelling them in any way you can, hallelujah, when you are compelling Telling them if they throw their hands up, if they back up, if they scowl, if they look at down their their glasses at you, amen. Their reading glasses like you're crazy and they don't know what you're talking about, amen. And if they do that, they aren't rejecting you. They're not turning you down. You can't walk away from there and say, well, it's not. I didn't win them because I'm not educated enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a wordsmith. Neither am I. Hallelujah. But you can give them the word of God. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharp, hallelujah. You may witness to somebody and not see them, amen, for 10 years and then see them 10 years down the road and they're in an apostolic church somewhere, amen? And you can't say you didn't have anything to do with that. You taught them a Bible study, amen? I did that here, uh, the Edgel's son, Steve. How many, know, how many knows, you know, the Edgel's at least, right? I didn't even know that they were related, I was working at KNR Kitchen and Bath, Amen, up here in O'Fallon. I think you no, you all didn't get your. It was Sister Michelle. Your cabinets are from KNR. Maybe you guys got some from there too years ago. <laughs> I used to work on the assembly line there. Well, Steve used to work there. The Edgel's son. I had no idea. I don't. I didn't even know the Edgels then. I, I didn't know them until we came to O'Fallon, Amen. Taught him a Bible study. Witnessed to him. Worked with him day in and day out, year in and year out. And wouldn't you know it, one day I'm standing up here on the platform, amen, next to Brother Buford, and here comes Steve walking in and sits down next to the Edgels, amen. I had no idea. That was decades later. That was probably 15 years later, amen, that I was witnessing and being an example to a backslider. Isn't that awesome? Those opportunities that God gives us, that's why it's so important to look at every moment. I'm getting off the Bible study, and I hope I, hope I don't take the shortest lesson and make it the longest one. Praise God. <laughs> but I feel like the purpose is to teach why are we teaching Bible studies. It's less about getting through this information. Amen. So let, let me just share, if you, if you don't mind. Amen. I think that's why it's important that we understand that every moment in our Christian walk is a God moment. This 
is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, and I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I get that. But we have to look that, Brother Don, every time our feet hit the floor, we're going to be an example of Jesus. Will we be a good example or will we be a bad one? Amen. That's why it's important that we keep God's word in us, that we keep in our prayer closet. Amen. Because we will be out there. And when we have that, that one moment, I bet you this, when you have that one moment where you slip up and you're a scoundrel, amen, there'll be more people there to see that than, when they, than they see you when you're talking in tongues. Amen. That's why we got to be careful. we got to be steadfast. We've got to be uh, unmovable, unshakable, amen, and standing on the foundation. And quick, amen, to repent if we do fail or fall. When we do fail and fall. Can I put it like that? Amen. So the first miracle that provided, amen, an opportunity to preach. And another 3,000 were added. And now at this point, since the day of Pentecost, there are about 10,000 people that have now been added to this New Testament church. There was a giving spirit of that early church, amen, the New Testament church. Uh, amen. It's it's easy to see and it's uh, why the miracles and the prayer and the fellowship was so important. Amen. It 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 brought a um, it brought a unity among that group among the new church, the New Testament church. It brought a unity there. It also brought a sense of selflessness. Amen. There was a spirit of giving that was among the New Testament church and the early church. Praise the Lord. That them those guys would would. Uh, put all of their money together. They would sell their houses. They would put their money together. And, and if anybody among them had a need, they took care of it. Amen. It's important for us to know, and I heard this, amen, I heard this said, and I'll say it. It says, neither said any of them, this is Acts chapter 4, verse 32, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. They grasped the fact that they were simply stewards not owners of God's goodness and gifts. Let me, let me translate stewards. Managers. Amen? They were stewards or managers. We are stewards. How many have ever had somebody tell you, you especially when you, when you were a young person, you've got to be a good steward of God's money. Do you know that that is beyond your 10% responsibility with your tithes? The other 90%, you have got to be a good steward of. Can I get a good amen on a Wednesday night? Let me stop using that word steward. We have got to be good managers of God's money. Amen. What does that mean? They grasped this. They grasped this concept. Amen. Because they understood if they had two coats and their brother didn't have a coat, they gave their brother one of their coats. Amen. If, if they had plenty to eat and they come across somebody that was hungry, they fed that individual. Amen. That doesn't mean that, I want you to notice, they had two coats. They had a coat. That doesn't mean that we're going to all sell our homes and come pile up all of our cash here in front of the pulpit, amen, and tell Brother Buford to, to divvy it out as, you know, if I get hungry, then you decide if I need a steak or, a, or if I need a biscuit or what I need, amen. That doesn't mean, that's not what they did, amen. They simply made sure that their money, even though that they were, their money and their possessions, even though they had them, and even though they were blessed with gifts and goodness, amen, that they stayed good 
managers of those gifts and of God's goodness. In other words, they made sure that their brothers and sisters didn't do without. Amen. They made sure that if somebody had a need, I'm not talking about somebody needs a Mercedes or Brother Keith needs a bass boat or you know anything like that. That's not those aren't needs. Those are desires. Those are wants. Amen. But if if Brother Keith is hungry, I hope you all, amen, would would step in and move into action and make sure I've got something to eat my family is taken care of. That's the purpose. That's the point. That's being a good manager of God's money. But if we just say, here's my 10%, I'm keeping this 90%, and I'm going to do whatever I want to with it. I earned it. It's mine. If you're hungry, then go get a job, get something to eat. If you're cold, then go get a job, get you a coat. Well, I agree with you there. Go, you can go work like I can go work. But if you're down in your luck, if you're having hard times, if you're doing without, I feel like as a manager of God's gifts and God's goodness, I should jump in and help. Amen? The new church had a good grasp on that. Amen? Their, amen, their, uh, their leader in this was Barnabas. Amen? He was a Levite. He was a Levite praise the Lord. And he had remembered that God hundreds of years ago had promised to be his portion and his inheritance. And listen to this. So he disentangled himself from the things of this world. That's why, Brother Don, sometimes we get, you know, this is mine. These are, these are, my, these are my toys. This is my stuff. That's, that's why sometimes we get that way. We're too entangled in the world. We love this life too much. We love luxury too much. We love comfort too much. I'm as guilty as you are sitting there, amen, that we love sometimes this world too much. Well, Barnabas was their leader, and he showed them what it was to, to amen, give and to give his stuff, amen, and to stay un, unentangled in this world, praise the Lord. And he ended up being, praise God, and we'll hear more about him in the next lesson, but he ended up being, praise God, one of the leaders of the church and teaching them, amen, compassion and sacrifice, praise the Lord, and contributing to his church, amen. Next lesson, the per, or next, uh, next chart, the persecution of the church. This, amen, is going to be, we're going to find most of this in Acts chapter 6. If you want to follow along a little bit, amen. I'm doing good. I'm on Acts chapter 6. Sometimes I hit a button and I'm in somewhere else. Amen. Another app or something. Acts chapter 6. The church was increasing so rapidly that the apostles recognized the value of sharing responsibilities. So the disciples began to pick different people that would be representatives of them, amen, and that would, so if, 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 if you could put it this way, that would ultimately lighten their load, amen. Remember when Moses was in the wilderness and he was taking on too much, so God gave him some folks to help him out, his brother Aaron, different things like that, so that he wasn't answering all little questions and all the petty stuff and the arguments and all that. Well, the apostles ended up having to do that too. I mean, we just talked about since the day of Pentecost up to chapter 3, now 10,000 people have been added to the church. Guess what? The apostles needed help. Amen. So they had some folks that were there that they could count on, they could trust. Amen. And Stephen was one of them. Amen. Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogues of the freedom of the of the freedmen 
as it was called, and of the Syrians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. Amen. Stephen had such a reputation, and Stephen was doing such a good job, amen, for the apostles, that he grabbed other people's attention. They started noticing Stephen, the people of the synagogues, the men there that were, that were uh, anti-church, if you will, anti the New Testament church, amen. They began to notice that Stephen was doing things, that he was diligent, that he was powerful, he was working wonders. He wasn't just taking a little bit of the load off the apostles, he was taking a lot off of them, amen, and he was being a great example of them, amen. And so they put Stephen on trial in verse 10, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. What does that mean? He began to run circles around them, amen. They put him on trial, and he began to answer their questions, and he began to come back at them, amen. And the Bible tells us that, they, that he began to run circles around them. He began to confuse them, amen. There were people that testified against him, amen, and said that he did things that he did not do. It says, it says it here, amen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council, amen. They falsely accused him, and then they brought him down, amen, hallelujah. And the Jewish leaders were greatly alarmed when they beheld his face shining as an angel when he preached to them, and holy, he, he, amen, delivered to them, amen, and he dealt with them, praise God, and he gave them, hallelujah, praise the Lord, more than they could handle, amen. And he was a great apostle. One of the leaders of the subsequent persecution was Saul of Tarsus, who was a witness and gave consent to Stephen's death. He was a wise man, amen. Or a wise man has appropriately said, they tried to stamp the fire of God out in Jerusalem, but they spread the embers all over the world. Isn't that awesome? And as a result of the persecution, the truth spread into all Judea and Samaria and into all of the world. Amen. Their purpose, their, their hope, their desire in stoning Stephen that day and trying to stomp out that fire, amen, actually spread those embers, praise God. I believe that, amen, out into town square and stone us, amen, live on cable TV. We may not see something like, maybe we will one day, amen, but we may not see something like that. Instead, there's going to be a spiritual persecution, amen, and we're seeing it where there is being, where, where doubt is being planted into the minds and the hearts of people that they are looking cross, amen, at the church and at Christians in general, and they're, they're starting, amen, this, uh, uh, this this intellectual, if you will, where you've got to prove something to them. You've got to have uh, scientific proof, amen, to be able to show them. I'm here to tell you, I hope that you are encouraged, amen, in what you know about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If ever there was evidence that there is a God, it's 70 or 80 or 90 people that are sitting in the chairs, amen, of this church right here, that I know that a life like mine and a life like yours could not be turned around and brought back, amen, from the dead, if you will, without a graceful, loving, merciful God. Can I get an amen? 
You don't have to, amen, maybe you don't have scientific proof. Maybe you do, amen, if they will start to study your DNA and see that the DNA, amen, in, in us and in trees and in animals and in everything else, amen, is the instruction book, amen, of life. There is evidence, amen, because there had to be a creator somewhere, right, amen? You'd be, you'd be crazy to think that this bottle just dropped out of the air, amen, onto this pulpit and was filled with water. Somebody had to do that with an intelligent design. Can I get an amen? And if you look at our bodies as complex as they are or the system of the birds and the trees and the grass and the water systems of the earth, amen, I'm here to tell you there was some intelligent design behind the creation of you and I and this world and that intelligent designer was God himself. Amen? And his name is Jesus. Saul was converted. Amen? Saul was there. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. Amen? Acts chapter 9 begins to describe the conversion of Saul who became known as Paul. He is a key figure, amen, in much of the New Testament. Saul was a devout Pharisee, a persecutor of the church, and by the power of God, he became a powerful apostle and preacher to the Gentiles. Amen? Saul started out his life, or started out, I guess, if you will say, started out his story in the Bible, amen, as being one that was persecuting the church, amen, that he was coming against them. In fact, he was one of them that got a decree, amen, that, that he was able to go around and start yanking men and women and children out of their homes, amen, and, and imprisoning them and having them stoned. And that's why he was there at the stoning of Stephen, amen. He was there kind of giving his permission, kind of giving his consent to that situation, amen. Well, Paul found himself a man on the road to Damascus. And in that, praise God, a bright light shined all around Paul. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And all sorts, amen, of inadequate explanations have been given to explain away what really happened. But the conversion of Paul cannot be accounted for for except by Paul's own description of the change in him. He met Jesus and was fully persuaded to surrender. Can I get an amen? Paul answered Jesus by saying, Who art thou, Lord? I love that because Paul knew instantly that the person he was dealing with was his Lord, amen, was his God, his Jehovah, hallelujah. He understood that he wasn't just dealing with some mystic voice that was calling out from the sky. That's why he said what his answer to him was, amen, his answer to him was, what do you, amen, want me to do, hallelujah. Who art thou, Lord? When Jesus answered, he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Paul was convinced. His, re his reply was, what Wilt thou have me to do? Acts chapter 9. It's important for you and I to ask God, what do you want me to do? Amen. It's important, amen. If you are lost and, and, and ultimately, even if you are found, you and I as, as, if you will, saints of God, it's important that every day we say, God, what do you want me to do today? But if you're not saved, amen, it's important for you when God starts knocking on the door of your heart and on the door of your life, it's absolutely essential that you say, God, what do you want me to do? Amen. 
It's just like the question that was asked in Acts chapter 2. Amen. When the, whenever the, the Holy Ghost was poured out, amen, the first question before Acts 2 and 38, amen, was 2 and 37. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Why? Because God was knocking at the hearts of men and women. If God is knocking on your heart here tonight or yesterday, or if you wake up tomorrow morning and he's knocking again, ask these simple questions. God, what do you want me to do? Amen? You and I can, can learn from that. Amen? And so Saul, amen, goes and he visits, praise God, uh, once he was blinded, he was knocked off of his horse, he was blinded, amen, God knocked him down, he said, what do you want me to do, and he told him, I want you, amen, to go to Damascus, and the Lord will send further instructions, telling him, amen, who he would find there, and what he would do there, amen, long story short, immediately, Saul was there, amen, he found a man named Ananias, praise God, he laid hands on him and prayed, and immediately Saul received his sight and was filled with the Holy Ghost, and Ananias baptized him. Do you know how he baptized him? <laughs> baptized him in Jesus' name. Amen. That man, that disciple, that apostle laid hands on Paul, amen, Saul at the time, laid hands on him, just like you and I do it today. Amen. We don't find anywhere in Scripture where we ought to stop doing it that way. When folks were converted, when folks were first filled, they were done it, amen, by the true gospel of Jesus Christ. They repented of their sins. They were baptized in the name of Jesus, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Even Paul needed that. Amen? Education does not save you. Can I get a Wednesday night nod? A lot of folks educate themselves out of the truth. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not against education. I wish I had more of it. But some folks educate them with, and they, they look for logic, and they, they, they logically talk themselves out of the truth. Paul, of his own account and of scriptural account, was the most religious person in the Bible. Can I get an amen? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an expert in the, in the, in the law of God and in, amen, the precepts and all of that. Amen. The Old Testament law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew everything front and back. Amen. But that education did not save him. You know what saved him? An encounter with Jesus Christ. Christ on the road to Damascus, amen. What saved him was getting knocked off of his high horse, amen, and being drugged into town, blinded, amen, and somebody laying hands on him in that desperate low moment of his life, laying hands on him, and he received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and he was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, just like everybody else that got saved in the Bible, amen. And he was extremely, extremely educated. What am I trying to say? Well, uh, one, our other example is Peter, which may have been the least educated person in the Bible. He was just a poor fisherman. He was just somebody that spent his day mending nets and catching fish for a living. Amen? We don't have anywhere in, in the Scripture that tells us that Peter was an educated, extremely educated man. He was just a, a poor fisherman. Amen? 
this gospel is for the poor, it's for the rich, it's for the educated, it's for the uneducated. Amen? Amen? Let's move on. Saul was converted, amen, and he began to teach, praise God, in the temples. And he began to do a great work. Later on, of chart three, the gospel is going to be preached to the Gentiles. This is important. Amen. You know the story in Acts chapter 10. Amen. Let me get there. And we'll, we'll hurry to a close here. We've only got two more charts, and they're, they're just a little bit, they're pretty short. You know the story in Acts chapter 10. Amen. The story of Cornelius. I love this story because, and I want you to see, and, and, and the, the Bible study isn't pointing these things out. These are things that I'm pointing out to you. Peter was a poor fisherman. I'm, I'm just going to say that he was uneducated. Maybe that's not fair for me, but I, I'm just going from the culture of the times and what his job was and, and some of the things. You know, Brother Don, he solved his problems with his sword and his fist. Amen. So he wasn't one to have a nice, educated conversation with you. So I'm, I'm just kind of going on some things, you know, deductive reasoning here. Paul needed salvation, and he was saved the exact same way that that poor, uneducated fisherman was. Cornelius, now watch this. Cornelius, a Gentile, amen, and let me point out some things about this before I get into this too deep, but Cornelius, amen, was a Gentile, and up until this point, the gospel was only being preached to the Jews. This gospel salvation was not for the Gentiles up until this point. God visits Cornelius in a dream. Why? Because Cornelius was, uh, for lack of a better word, Cornelius was really religious. He was devout. He gave to the poor. He prayed every day. He fasted. Amen. He gave of his alms. He did all of the things that good little Christians do. Amen. That devout Christians and people of God do. Amen. And, and we can even say that he had a good enough prayer life and a good enough relationship with God, I said relationship, relationship with God, that God saw fit to visit him in a dream. How many of you have ever had a dream from God? Okay, a dozen of you, I might have. <laughs> Probably every one, of you, every one of you have, maybe you just didn't know it, amen. But this is a man that had a good enough relationship with God that God visited him in a dream. He was sincere about his relationship with God. He loved God with everything that was, with his money, with his life, with his time. He loved God. So God visits him in a dream and tells him, you got to go, amen, and get Peter. And so God, while they're, they're traveling to get Peter, God begins to talk to Peter. You know why? Peter was just... Uh, for lack of a better word again, Peter was just a little bit racist, amen. Peter had come from a culture and a background, amen, where Gentiles were considered like animals. They were considered dogs to the Jewish people, amen. And whenever they had preached up until this point, they had only preached to Jews because they believed only Jews deserved it. Can I get an amen? Somebody? So, God has to talk to Peter, and he gives Peter a dream, and he lowers a sheet down with all this food on it, and Peter says, I'm not going to eat that food. That food's unclean. And God says to him, Peter, do not call something unclean that I have called clean. And then there's a knock at the door. And it's the men that have come from Cornelius, and they've come to get Peter because they know Peter has a message for Cornelius because God told Cornelius, go get Peter. So Peter's sitting here, amen, 
these Gentiles are at his door. It's, in a sense, illegal for Peter to be fellowshipping with Gentiles. How many knew that? Peter gets to Cornelius' house, and he even explains to them, you folks know I'm not supposed to be here, right? But what God has called clean, we don't call unclean. This gospel truth is for everybody. No exemptions. No exceptions. And God is not a respecter of persons. Watch this. Now we've got a man that has a great relationship with God. But watch, up until this point, he wasn't saved. You see where I'm getting at? It's not about your education. It's not about your lack of education. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how much you pray. It's not about how much you give to the church. It's not about how much time you spend around the church. It's about the gospel truth, amen. And Peter spoke to Cornelius that day, just like he did on the day of Pentecost, just like he did after the miracle of the lame man. And he began to tell them that there was one that was crucified for your sins. There was one that died for you. Amen. And watch this. And the Bible says that as Peter spake those words, amen, the Holy Ghost fell on each of them. Now watch this. This is important. This is real important. Because up until this point, we've seen everybody else receiving the Holy Ghost. And now we're seeing Cornelius, a Gentile, a religious Gentile with a relationship with God. Amen. Now he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that all the folks that were with Peter, who are they? Jews. All the folks that came with Peter, it says, their jaw hit the floor because these animals, I'm going to use that word because we're trying to teach something here, because these Gentile animals were now speaking in tongues just like the high elite Jews were. Is it okay to put it like that? And so their jaw hit the floor. Why? Because now all of a sudden they're going, these men spake with tongues, just like we spoke with tongues. These folks got the Holy Ghost, just like we all got the Holy Ghost. Amen. Watch this. It's for the poor and the rich and the educated and the uneducated and folks that have a relationships and folks that don't and people that have been in church all their lives and folks that have never even seen a church building door. Amen. This gospel is for everybody. Amen. No exceptions. Amen. Whatsoever as far as God is concerned. Can I get an amen? His entire household didn't just receive the Holy Ghost, but they were also baptized just like you and I. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, just like it still happens today. Amen? Amen. The gospel, amen, chart four, the gospel to the Gentiles and Paul. Paul was chosen a vessel to the Gentiles, amen. You can find that in Acts chapter 9. His ministry, amen, was to bear the name of the Lord before Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites. He made three major missionary journeys, amen, to establish churches in Gentile cities, Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. Paul spent some time, amen, in Athens because he found them full of temples and idols and statues and pagan altars. You will remember Athens because that is where they had the the monument up that said to the unnamed God. Amen? The God with no name. 
Amen. So Paul spent some time there and he taught and he established a church there in Athens. Amen. Paul, a man, was imprisoned later on in his ministry, amen, because of all of the things that he had done and the acts, amen, that he had performed, amen, as an apostle. And it's important because Paul wrote these letters, amen, or epistles. He wrote most of the New Testament, amen, of instruction to the various churches and individual Christians that God had inspired him to write and impart of Scripture. Paul wrote some of these epistles while he was in prison awaiting trial. While he was in prison, Paul witnessed to and won many of the guards and visitors. Amen. Paul was always working. Amen. Paul was always struggling. He gives his resume again of how he was shipwrecked and beaten and all of those kinds of things. This was a man that wrote off and signed off on and gave consent to kill folks that were following Jesus Christ. And his life did a complete 180. And he became the greatest, or wrote the most books in the New Testament, amen. And probably in many people's eyes, the greatest apostle. Many people consider him the greatest apostle. Here's how Paul summed up his life. And you can stand with me if you will. His last words were, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4.7. What an accomplishment to die full of faith and hope and victory. Amen. We today may fight a more spiritual battle, if you will, than, than the physical battles that Paul fought. Amen. In the beatings and in the imprisonments and things like that. This age that we live in, is they are boastful about their sins. They, they're thro- they'll throw it in your face. Amen. That's a, that's a wrestling match. That's a struggle. Does anybody here ever struggle with that? Some of the immorality that we witness on a daily basis, amen, sometimes is a struggle for me. Sometimes it's a battle, amen. And I and I, I hurt for people. And we see lives that are being destroyed right now by drug addiction. I, I don't know if it's like never before. I mean, I think all people have always done drugs, amen. But man, we are really seeing it in families that we never expected to see it. Amen. It's almost an epidemic, if you will. But just like Paul said, amen, and just like the scripture told us, if we will stay steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, if we will stay together in fellowship, if we will stay continuous in prayer, amen, I believe at the end of this life, we can say we too fought a good fight, kept the faith, and stayed the course. Amen? Do you believe that? I believe that for you. Amen? I believe that we can make it and we can be a part of an end-time revival, amen, and an influx of souls. The more people there are hurting and addicted and immoral and lost, the brighter our light can shine. Amen? Let's go, amen. Let's teach people Bible studies. Let's tell them our testimony. Let's witness to them, amen, and ultimately, let's drag some folks out of the fire. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this night.